record. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. This is episode number nine. Uh, before we get started, we always want to start off with the 1-800-SUICIDE uh, number. If you um, are thinking about it, have thought about it, don't. I always want to emphasize do not just call the number when you're thinking about it or um, uh, when you just feel like you, you've run out of hope. Call the number even if you've thought about it before. Like if you thought about it a week ago or a month ago or even a year ago, I think it's always good to just, if you if you haven't been to therapy, if you haven't talked about it with anybody else, it's always good to call the number and just process it just just to have someone to process it with to talk it through with to because if you thought about it before chances are you're going to think about it again and uh and maybe the next time you think about it you won't have the uh strength or willpower or i, I mean willpower is not the word but you may not have the the, the presence of mind or uh, the ability to to not take your own life the next time. So um, call 1-800-SUICIDE if you've thought about it and or thinking about it, or if you know someone else who's talking about it and you don't know how to talk to them about it, right? Um, That's also, you know, I also love to emphasize that is that if there's someone in your life who is struggling with suicidal ideation, and you're unsure of how to talk to them, then call the number 1-800-SUICIDE. And uh, always link in the show notes uh, a million other numbers for people who are dealing, you know, whether it's a veteran, whether it's your child, uh, whether it's a gender issue, whatever it is, uh, there's a phone number that, whether they're a teenager, there are multiple phone numbers uh, for you to, to call. Uh, today we're going to be talking about survivor's guilt, survivor's guilt, and um, and you know why that could lead so many people to uh, take their own life to complete suicide, especially if they're veterans or somebody who's survived something like the Holocaust or, uh, or some type of war or even a major. Uh, violent act like mass shootings, there's survivor guilt with that. There's even survivor's guilt with people who um, make it out the hood. You know, it, you know, because I, I feel that a little bit of like, why am I the one who made it out and not so many other people who um, were also deserving? Why, why did they lose their life? Um, so there's survivor's guilt with that. There's survivor's guilt was if... Uh, if your parent died giving birth to you or someone died saving your life, you may have survivor's guilt. So a lot of people experience survivor's guilt for so many different reasons. Um, and uh, but before we get into all that, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to share something with you um, about like why this came up for me recently talking about survivor's guilt. I'm here in wonderful um, and we're going to talk about tips and strategies on on how to overcome or how to manage uh, survivor's guilt um, in a second. Um, but what got me uh, to thinking about that and why that's the topic for today's uh, podcast is I'm here in Reno, beautiful, not Reno, Las Vegas, 
performing at the uh, Comedy Cellar with uh, a, an incredible cast of comedians, uh, Keith Robinson and Wilson Vince. Who else is there? Mark, Mark Cohen. And when I come to Vegas, I, it's so important for me because we're here Wednesday through Sunday to take care of myself. And I, I go into the spa, and as I'm sitting there in the sauna, uh, this gentleman walks in, and we start talking, and uh, and he's currently in the military. So obviously I can't share his name, but he starts to tell me his story uh, about, we, we got into a conversation about PTSD and dealing with it, and his story was is remarkable, and I think it's something that's powerful that can definitely help you listeners out there, even if you're not a veteran. Even if you're not a vet, if you've never been in war or anything like that, because his coping strategies, the way he has his, he's had to cope with what he's uh, experienced is something or, or, th- or things in ways that you also can utilize no matter um, what your background is, if you've considered uh, suicide. So what he was telling me is that in the military, they uh, and and he's in the Air Force. Uh, what they have is like as you come in, there is an opportunity for uh, the enlistees to sign up as a preemptive strike to sign up for a program. And I forget the name of the program um, where you can have two people that you can call if you feel like taking your own life. And he said what was interesting is that a lot of people. In the they don't sign up for it because for different reasons, but I'm sure a part of it is you know you're young and you think that uh, you're tough enough and strong enough, and that you know that that's something that you won't be affected by. Um, but it also could be that um, you think that there is also the shame of you know you if you grew up in a household where it was scary for you to talk about your emotions or your feelings, or people made you feel less than because you expressed uh, some type of depression or sadness, then, you know, this to you would definitely not feel like an option. You'd be too uh, scared or ashamed to use this. But he signed up for it. And and even though at the time he didn't have any issues with it, he signed up for it. Um, and, and even though he signed up for it, he said it saved his life a million, not even though, uh, it saved his life a million times over because there were so many times where he was experiencing PTSD and trauma and things of that nature that because he had somebody he can call and knew that he could call and knew that they would take his call and it was already set up, it really helped him talk through his feelings and emotions. And I bring that up because it it confirms the importance of talking through your feelings of calling someone of talking to someone of knowing that someone will listen to you accept how you feel and and validate your your emotions it's super important that you have a person or maybe you journal um or a therapist or whether it's uh, online or in in person or a family or friend that you can reach out to and you set this up in advance. Set it up in advance. Say, listen, I'm going through some stuff right now. I'd love to be able to call you when I'm when I'm feeling a certain way. Uh, would you be willing to listen and accept my call and 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 
talk me through how I'm feeling. And if you set that up, and, and sometimes the, you, you might have to switch the person up because that, that is uh, a lot emotionally for a person to, to handle, but you can set that up and, and then you know for sure that when you're feeling a certain way, you have this person you can call um, or this or this group or uh, and and so on top of that, he he also mentioned because we're still we're talking about his coping strategies, which I thought was really fascinating. And here's what's really fascinating about his story. Um, even though he never entered combat and I read this about a lot of vets, it's the ones who um uh, who aren't, uh, who don't engage in direct uh, contact or action that have most of the survivors guilt because they were never actually in combat and then they're they're seeing all their friends and all these, um, all their comrades being shipped back and, and in caskets and, and here they are never having engaged in combat. So there's a lot of guilt from, uh, why do why are why do they have to go to war and I don't? Why can't I be um, involved in that? And so there's a lot of guilt with that. And so he said that there, uh, where he was stationed, the the bombs would come in, and um, and you would know because it was too quiet. This is what really fascinated me about the PTSD part of this. He said when it was too quiet that. That's when he knew that there was some type of bomb or missile incoming. He said when there was noise, that that meant that, you know, it usually was trucks going by. It was really loud where he was. And so when it was loud and it was noisy, he felt comfortable. When it was quiet, he knew he had to hit the deck. So then when he came home to America, to, to California, and things are quiet, it drove him nuts. He went mad. And finally, he went to a therapist, and his therapist had the best solution. His therapist said, move somewhere where there's noise. So he got an apartment next to a train station because the tra- the, the loud noise of the train made him feel safe. Um, and, and it's fascinating. And he said he lived there for a few years, and he said it saved his life to live somewhere with a lot of noise. And what's interesting is, you know, I'm from Chicago. And where I lived, I lived in the middle of the city. A lot of lot of sirens, noise, action, uh, you know, there's pimps, gangs. Um, there's also a university I grew up by, Loyola, Loyola University. But the point is there was, there was a, a lot of everything and, and, and movement and noise and stimulation. And then I remember... When I got recruited to play at Ball State, and I um, stayed with a friend who lived in the suburbs of Chicago, and the suburbs are super quiet. And that first night, I remember when I cut the light out. Not only is it quiet, it is dark because they don't have a lot of street lights. It's way out there in the suburbs. I was used to the street light coming in from the street, obviously through my window. And, and so I always had that light, but here in the suburbs, it was pitch black and I was terrified. I had never slept. That was my first time I realized I'd never slept in pitch blackness and I was going nuts. I couldn't sleep. 
everything terrified me. Sounds and noises were amplified 10x. And so, and and not to compare that to uh, what this military uh, person went through, but I but I understand that if you're used to a certain environment and then you step out of it, you're kind of on edge and you don't feel completely comfortable. So it, it was it, I, it was fortunate that this uh, military personnel that I talked to, this Air Force man, um, was able to change his environment and move somewhere that could help him deal with his uh, PTSD, his survivor's guilt. Beautiful thing. So for those of you out there listening, and, and that's why you know we've always talked about the importance of your environment. And sometimes a peaceful environment, a quiet, serene, and tranquil environment may not be serene and tranquil and peaceful for you. It, it may amplify the noise in your head. So if you need to, to move next to a football stadium or uh, the train tracks or uh, an industrial area or, you know, the city, whatever that is, then then do that. If if you're struggling with too much noise or too little noise. Um, yeah. Uh, but what else did I there was something else that we uh we had talked about because I was just like, oh, my God. Um, oh, so then I asked him uh, about his daily routine, because even as he was telling me this story, uh, he he broke down in tears because he, he had to take photographs of the, uh, the, the military servicemen who either um, had died in combat or had uh, completed suicide. And he said, you know, you, you just, you're taking these photos and then you, and, but, and you're alive. And, he, and, and it just, um, it made it, it challenging for him in terms of why does he get to survive? And so now that he's back here, he's, he's still in the service, he's still enlisted. Um, I asked him like, what is he doing daily to to manage his emotions to 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 cope with the uh to deal with the ptsd and he said every morning he has to wake up and exercise he does cardio for about an hour which is funny because in the two days i've been here i've seen him both uh, i've seen him both days in the morning uh you know doing his workout and then we usually end up in a sauna at the same time um so he does that, and then he goes to work, and then uh, after work he'll work out again, um, or talk to his girlfriend, and then uh, do a little bit more work, and then go to bed. So you know he's working out twice. He has a daily routine. He said, you know, being able to call his family and talk to his girlfriend that really uh, helped and encouraged him, and and helping him uh, manage his uh, his PTSD. Um, all right. So what? Uh, no. Oh, so here's also what was interesting. I'm, I'm checking out my notes is that I asked him if he was taking any meds and he said, and I didn't realize this, that when you take when you're offered meds in the military because you are um, you don't know when you're going to be able to come back 
to base. Sometimes, you know, like you're out in the middle of nowhere for months. So the doctors will give you a bag load of pills and meds to help you get through those months. So you're supposed to obviously take one a day or maybe twice a day. But what ends up happening is a lot of these guys will end up, you know, taking five or ten at a time. And, and, um, and so then they get addicted and they run out of the pills. Um, and so that, that's why you have such a prevalence of uh, um, um, drug addiction with uh, military vets. Uh, is because they've kind of developed that habit in, in, in service. The other thing that happens is, um, he said, you, you always have the option with, in terms of painkillers and meds of getting smaller doses, but then that means you have to take more of the pills, or they give you a pill with an extremely high dose, like an 800 milligram or a 1,000 milligram pill. And he said he would often opt for the 800 milligram pill because he didn't want to be seen as taking a lot of pills. So he, he preferred to take a higher dosage versus smaller doses, uh, a smaller dosage because he didn't want to be seen taking um, a lot of pills. So I thought that was uh, an interesting thing also in terms of how complex the issue of drug addiction is with our uh, military vets. So now I want to get into um, uh, how to survive, uh, survive, how to survive survivor's guilt, right? Because a lot of people have it, like I said, for different reasons. And oh, before I get into that, I also want to mention, like I said, I do stand up, and I always mention my podcast uh, during my shows because there's always somebody, obviously, in the audience who's either uh, dealing with suicidal ideation or know someone who's dealing with suicidal ideation. So I did a show last night, and after the show, two military service people came up to me and um, and told me about this app. It's an app called Objective Zero. And um, I've already looked at the app, and they were like, you know, you have to promote it on your podcast. And so that's what I'm doing now. It's, it's an amazing app that allows uh, military vets and people uh, – in the military to connect with what they call ambassadors. And you can find these ambassadors. It's almost like a social media app for uh, vets who are basically, hold on, let me, let me read their, here's their vision. The Objective Zero Foundation contributes to efforts that prevent veteran suicide. We accomplish this by enhancing social connectedness and access to suicide prevention resources. A mission-driven tech startup, Objective Zero, seeks to connect every veteran in America to suicide prevention support and resources. And then they go on to list their values, selfless service, loyalty, integrity, and community, transparency, innovation, and confidentiality. Uh, once again, the name of the app is Objective Zero, and it's like a social media app for uh, uh, veterans where you can find what they call ambassadors. And ambassadors, to me, the way I understand it is that they're basically like sponsors in AA. And these are people that you can connect with who are either close in your proximity or, or in different parts of the country or world. And you can select them, and you can select them based on the military background, age, location, things uh, of that sort. 
and you you yourself can become an ambassador uh, if you are um, or were a part of the military. And so it's a really great app. It links to what you can do with this app is you can either text, video, or voice call an ambassador, which I think is really cool. And it also links to events, quotes, inspirations, and podcasts that you can listen to that they have already vetted as being appropriate for military vets who are uh, struggling with uh, suicide ideation. And um, it also links to veteran resources. So any type of resource that, that you may require, uh, Objective Zero links to all that. And it also uh, has a link for the Veteran Crisis Hotline. So Objective Zero, uh, please check it out. And now let's get into uh, the six tips on how to survive survivor's guilt, okay? Because a lot of people who have survivor's guilt, uh, they have guilt, obviously, about surviving. And and that makes sense because you're like, why me? Why, why do I get to live? Why do I get to thrive? And that person lost their life or that, or that person uh, is in jail or that person uh, is injured or didn't make it. Um, and you also start to think about, like, what you should have done. You know, if you, if you survived a war or, you, you know, survived out the hood, you often think about, like, how you could have done things better, or how you could have saved that person's life. Um, and so there's that, you know, there's guilt, there's remorse, there's regret, there's a, an entire host of feelings coming into play. Um, and you may even feel guilty over what you did because uh, may, maybe you caused the accident. Maybe you caused the death in, in some way. Uh, you fell asleep on a job. Uh, you, you read the court and it's wrong. Uh, you went left when you should have went right. Uh, whatever it is, you may feel guilt over uh, uh, something that you did that, that caused a, a death or injury to someone you know or in your circle. Um, the first tip on dealing with survivor's guilt is ask yourself who is truly responsible, right? Because you, we're at, you're at, we're at war. You're in war. And when you're at, right, you didn't, you didn't start the war, um, you didn't cause the war, you're not behind the war. Who is truly responsible for the death or the life of someone? You know, even if you're not in war, it's like when I when I think about the, you know, I have survivors go like I said about making it out the hood. I'm like, why didn't they? But you know, it's like, I it's, I'm not responsible for all the people who didn't make it out. You know, there are, uh, there's a, a, a system in place that operates a certain way and, and there's the law of averages and um, not everybody can make it out. Like that life just, life just doesn't work like that, right? Um, you know, uh, what governments are responsible? There are governments responsible for what's happened. There are countries responsible there are uh, companies responsible uh, for, for what's happened. So let's, you know, let's, that doesn't mean that we don't take responsibility for our part if we did have a part, but let's zoom out and let's make sure we're spreading the responsibility uh, uh, evenly and, and throughout everyone and holding everyone accountable so that we're not walking around like, 
like like it's like it's only me you know like you can't we can't save everyone right we do our best we show up we do our job and we, and we do our best but um let's let's be honest about everyone and all the entities involved in why this event happened right i mean even when i look at you know people who survived 9-11 um and uh, you know you hear there's a lot of survivors guilt with that or with the holocaust there's so many layers of responsibility with why that happened how that happened and what happened that uh we can't take on the responsibility all by ourselves. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you don't feel responsible. But like I said, let's let's zoom out and let's let's spread it around a bit. Um, right. Instead of uh, inflating our personal responsibility um, with that. Uh, the second tip is remind yourself you can handle you can handle sadness and loss. And this is all coming from psychology today. Right. Um, that's what I'm looking at right now. Remind yourself you can handle sadness and loss because we've we've experienced, you know, I'm 42 years old. I've experienced a lot of loss uh, and sadness and it's a part of life. You know, I've lost um, some of my physical ability. I've, I've had six bulging discs in my neck, and uh, so I have some numbness on my left side, uh, and my meniscus is torn, so there's, there's a sense of physical loss of relationships, you know, I've, I've, I, you know, you get to 42, you, there's a lot of love and loss that have happened throughout my lifetime, um, and, and opportunities, and, and so on and so forth, so We've we've experienced loss before and and sadness before. And I lost my father, you know, uh, a few years ago. So we if we we've been there. So that means that that we know how to handle it and we can handle it and that we have the strength and fortitude. Um, But but the key thing um, we have to remind ourselves, like, it's not unsafe or bad to experience intense emotion. Like we we can work through feelings in any way that suits us. It doesn't have to be, uh, uh, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Any way is okay, whether quiet, aloud, sadness and pain are not felt in one singular way. The best way is to let yourself uh, feel what works for you, right? Um, Number three is think about how people who love you feel about your survival that's super important um because you know i i forget sometimes like if i think about it through my sister's eyes how grateful she is uh that i'm still here if you look at it through your family members eyes your friends eyes your uh people in your community your teachers like think about all the people who are so grateful that you are still here. Think about all the all the the things that you're now able to do, the lives that you're able to affect, the people you're able to help, the communities you you're able to serve because you are still here, right? So, think about you know, you think about your your mom, 
and and how grateful your your dad or anybody there, there has to be maybe your dog think about the people in your life who are so happy that that you you are here maybe it's just your cashier you know you you may have no idea how much you coming into the store every day lights up a person's day or how much they look forward to seeing you and and sometimes and that's the thing is that we don't always tell the people that we love that we love them or we don't always tell the people in our lives how much they they give our life meaning or purpose there's a guy you know I stay at this um like I said I'm staying at the uh the Rio hotel and it's not the best hotel, but this guy, Joey, who works in the spa, this dude is so amazing that I don't want to go to any other hotel. Like, I I look forward to coming back to this hotel just because Joey is so funny, and uh, I love talking to this guy. And, you know, I've never said that, but, you know, but it's clear from our interactions and our back and forth that that you know uh, where we enjoy each other's company, and and that's what I think about. I think about the Rio. I think about the the quality of sleep that I'm gonna get, and I also think about my boy Joey. And he just has these crazy stories. He's married today. He's like a Filipino wife, and uh, and he's just nuts in the things that he's been through. He's like beat cancer twice, but he's just always smiling. And uh, always a great story. And he just like has this zest and energy for life. And he's like, I don't know, 50, 55. And, you know, he, he's just one of those guys who has absolutely no filter when he talks. And I love being around people like that because I'm so filtered. And uh, so when I get a chance to be around someone who's just completely off the chain, uh, I love it. So number three is think about how many people who love you feel about your survival. Um, the fourth one, fourth tip on survivor's guilt is remember, it's not a zero sum game, right? Hidden beneath survivor guilt is the idea that there's only so much luck to go around and that benefiting from good fortune means that someone else is being deprived of it. But remember, luck is random. It is so random. Even when I, when you listen to, uh, billionaires, I listen to Warren Buffett. Uh, I don't think Jay-Z is a billionaire, but he's pretty close. Maybe him and Beyonce together are billionaires. But they'll tell you that luck is involved in their success. And even LeBron James, anybody who's super successful, Elon Musk will tell you, it's all a numbers game. Life is like just the fact that you were Remember, just the fact that you were born. You didn't have control over that. That is a numbers game. You being born and you being born the way you were. Remember, there's like a million sperm rushing to the egg and your sperm made it to the egg, which made you. If a different sperm had made it, it would have created a different you. So don't forget, it's not a, it's, it's not a zero-sum game. There is luck involved in uh, who survives and who doesn't. You know, you watch these movies and... The, the main guy, you know, The Rock, always survives. But in real life, he's not always going to survive. He's, you know, the, the, the flood, the tsunamis, Godzilla, what was it, Godzilla? Or uh, I forgot what the last uh, movie was with the, with the, uh, with the um, uh, not, what was it, an ape? It was some type of ape. But why can't I, uh, oh, that's going to eat me up. Anyway, 
But, you know, it, it, there's luck involved. It's a numbers game. You know, even my buddies who go out and, and meet women and pick up women, they'll be like, yo, it's just numbers, man. You talk to 10 women, one of them going to say, yeah, and give you their number. Um, so number five, let's move on to number five. Uh, do something meaningful for someone else. You know, I, I use this all the time. Anytime, uh, not anytime, but what makes me feel really good when um, I'm feeling survivor's guilt or um, unworthy of being here, I, I just, I, sh- I share, I spread love. I, uh, and I do it in different ways. Sometimes I'll get on social media and I will like leave really positive comments on, you know, people's feed. And you think that that's a ridiculous thing or something that doesn't really work. But truthfully, when you get on other people's, uh, when you leave positive comments and you're like, man, that's amazing. That's that's excellent. Oh, you know, great work. Um, It actually makes you feel better because, you know, in your heart, you're making someone else feel better. Or if you share, um, you know, stories or or, um, uh, donate or volunteer or just, you know, Crank out the old gratitude list, you know, write down five things you're grateful for. Call someone and just tell them how much they mean to you. Write someone a letter and and let them know how much you care about them. Um, We don't do that. You know, and like I said, this goes back to not just family and friends, because a lot of people are lonely and don't have family or friends. And but you do have everyone has this peripheral players in your life meaning like the the mailbox uh, or the post office person the cashiers at your grocery store uh your landlord um the, the person who maybe somebody walks your dog or, or or mows your lawn or there are places that you go every day or, or a lot of times or the, the 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 person at the coffee shop that you go to that you have these quick interactions with, hi, bye, how's your day, the weather's this, oh, great game last night, blah, blah, blah. And, but they're a part of your life. And if you took the time to just be like, man, just write that person a letter and just be like, you know, thank you for opening the store. You know, I get, you know, I get this and that every day. And I'm so grateful that, you know, you have the hours that you have and it's really close to my home. And you always have a great energy and, uh, you know, whatever. And just share a little bit about yourself. And then you'll find that as you go in, they'll share more about themselves. And then, you know, you have this relationship with that person. And then maybe that person then introduces you to other people. So there's so many ways for you to expand your network of people by just showing some gratitude and some love and some appreciation for the people who are already in your life. If you have a social worker, your, your sponsor, an AA, um, if, you, if you're going down to the veteran's office, those people in the, in, at the people who work in office buildings, they're so unappreciated. If, you, if we took the time to, to appreciate the people who are, quote unquote, just doing the paperwork or just setting the appointments or, you know, the front desk clerk or the secretary those people show them some love you'd be you'd be amazed at how much it would make it is going to make your life better because 
there are so many things people can do for you that you're not aware of outside of what their job is. We, we tend to just see people in their jobs and like as if like that's all they do and that's all they're capable of. But, you know, when I talk to people, whether it's a secretary or whatever, they usually have such a rich life. And then you, you go, oh, my God, like I really love this person. I really want to connect with this person. I was at um, we're at a hotel. We're at the Four Seasons Hotel yesterday for lunch, and and I first of all I didn't pay for it. So I don't want you to think that I'm balling over here. Uh, my buddy paid for it, and uh, but it was like it was four of us, and walking out, my buddy uh, was was wearing these jeans, and the door guy, the door guy, looked at my buddy. He's like, "Are those such and such jeans?" And my buddy was like. Yeah, and the, and the guy knew the make, the model, the year it was released, all that. The year it was released, like it was an album, um, but all that stuff. And they started bonding over the jeans because apparently not everybody wears these jeans. They're, they're very expensive jeans. But the point is, he was like, I would have never guessed that the door guy was in the jeans, and the door guy had like seventy pairs of those jeans. And, but it was just, you know, it was just like some old Indian dude who you didn't think was really in a fashion. So show, um, do something, when you do something meaningful for other people in your life um, or for your community or you give back, you'd be surprised at the love that you get back and the appreciation that you get back and how much you'll start to feel connected. And, and then it'll start to give you, the, it'll start to give the fact that you survived meaning, right? It'll give you a sense of, oh, this is why I'm here still because there's more work to be done and and you can do that work on the behalf of the people who passed away you know um and number six last but not least uh this goes without saying take care of yourself get some sleep i was just uh when i was in a sauna today there was this guy he came in he was super ripped and when i see people who are um, quote unquote better than me or, or thriving in an area that I want to thrive I ask them questions I'm a nine year old I'm like hey man uh, you, you're in great shape uh, what do you do how do you sleep what do you eat uh, you know how, how often how fast do you eat what time do you eat how much light blah 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 and he said that he said sleep is super important uh, in terms of taking care of yourself and what he does is he said at night, he goes, it's very important to cut off the overhead lights and, you know, either turn on a lamp or light some candles. You want you want some nice mood, softer lighting at night. Overhead light kind of mimics uh, the sun. And so it tricks your brain into thinking you're more awake than you are. Um, so you definitely want candles. You want soft lighting at night. The other thing that he does is he takes uh, magnesium glyconate and magnesium. And I've talked about this before. Um, you could get that in dark leafy greens, but most people don't eat enough dark leafy greens. So you could take it in pill form. That's what he does. He takes it in pill form. Um, and it just helps to trigger, uh, the melatonin in your body and, and, and gets you into a deep sleep. So if you're not eating enough dark leafy greens, uh, take magnesium glyconate, which is, like I said, I don't take it, but I do have it as a powder supplement. But the reason why I don't take it is because I do eat a lot of dark leafy greens. Um, and then the third thing he said is, 
that because here's my issue. I late night snack and and I go through cycles where I don't. And I'm, I'm, I'm very, quote unquote, good. Um, but lately I've been I think, you know, the holidays, my schedule has been a little wonky. Um, and then the shows at night have is just it, everything is just thrown off. And he said that, you know, he eats he eats in an eight hour window one and that his last meal is about seven and he eats a huge dinner. And I said, what do you mean huge dinner? How do you define that? He said uh, plenty, lots of protein, but lots of vegetables, lots of vegetables. And and the thing is, is that people so many people are trying to eat less. And I was at, you know, I was at lunch yesterday and this lady was eating a salad and, you know, I was eating salmon and. And everybody associates salad with eating healthy. But the truth is, salads don't really fill you up. It doesn't do anything. It's better that you eat vegetables, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, asparagus, uh, bell peppers, things that that really are rich in flavor and nutrient dense. It's good to have a salad mixed in with your stuff, but it doesn't really move the needle. It doesn't fill you up and you're going to end up snacking uh, pretty soon. So it's better to get the vitamins and, and minerals from vegetables versus uh, your kale. And if you're gonna have kale and spinach, you know, put that put that in a you know blend that up as a as a juice or something like that, or have that as a salad for lunch. But for dinner, definitely, if you have late night, and this is just a strategy for people who struggle with late night carb cravings, um, just have a bigger dinner, but make sure your dinner is um protein dense with the healthy you know meats of uh chicken breast excuse me um fish turkey and then a lot of vegetables and also have your carbs but have it be complex carbs like sweet potatoes have your sweet potatoes man i love sweet potatoes don't be skimping on the sweet potatoes bro so Make sure you're sleeping, moving your body, get yourself in a support group to take care of yourself. Join a support, even if you think, uh, yeah, I don't really want to do this. I don't think support groups work. Find out, find out, see what happens when you just keep showing up to the support group. You you be surprised at how um, helpful it is and and how much you you'll be able to thrive uh, being in a support group. Um, all right. So that's it for today's podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in before you kill yourself. Make sure you uh, comment. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Pandora. So rate it, comment, share, uh, like uh, all that good stuff. My name is Leo Flowers. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, 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 happy new year. Today is what? The, the 30, the 30th. Today's the 30th. Happy new year uh, coming up. This is, uh, so I released uh, the episodes on Monday and uh, Thursday. So happy new year. And let's, uh, let's have it. Let's have a fun. Let's have a fun. Let's have an engaged. Let's have an aware uh, 2019 boys and girls. Adios.